It's time for the spring sales event at the DGDG Mazda stores. Capital Mazda, Stevens Creek Mazda, Concord Mazda, and Team Mazda. Hey, it's Shondell Grand. And right now we've got a huge selection of brand new Mazdas with exciting spring incentives across our entire lineup. Plus, you can buy your new Mazda completely online with our exclusive no-brainer checkout. Don't miss the spring sales event at the DGDG Mazda stores in San Jose, Concord, and Vallejo. We're getting you ready for the game on The Build-Up with news from around the league, interviews, highlights, and more. Here's your host, Ted Ramey. All right, good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to the final build-up of the year. Yeah, it is the final game of the year today, taking on Edmonton, who is going to be a very, very dangerous team entering the Stanley Cup playoffs, and they've obviously not been a great matchup for the Sharks as of late, but... Uh, you know, a lot to get into about the San Jose Sharks looking back and looking ahead. To do all of that, we are now joined by Sheng Peng of San Jose Hockey Now. Uh, not much. Uh, yeah, just uh, uh, looking forward to uh, what's going to be a very uh, interesting, action-packed summer. Obviously, the biggest draft lottery in Sharks history coming up. Uh, hopefully, some good news there. Yeah, man, it's, it's interesting because that's, you know, kind of where this has all been heading, right? Like a, a tough year, obviously, on the ice, particularly at home. Um, and I was talking to Curtis about this uh, yesterday, you know, just talking about how the Sharks got to this point from where they were in, you know, the spring of 2019 and made it to the Western Conference final. And then, you know, with the with the signing of Eric Carlson and the, um, you know, leaving of Joe Pavelski, which a lot of people view as one for the other, which was not that's not historically accurate, even if many people view it that way. They kind of see that as the start, though, Pavelski leaving of you know, a, a you know, cascade of events that led us to here. Like, how, how do you think the Sharks got here? Like, what's your big takeaway in that capacity? Um, I think the, the biggest thing was that they just drafted pretty poorly, I think, in the region of 2013, 2016, like, uh, like, and through in those years, years that they could have supplemented their, their team, even though there was going to be a lot of late picks. Um, you know, Boston is a team that, for example, like the Sharks, has been good for, uh, for a long time. And during that time, they were able to draft Pasternak with the 25th pick, uh, McAvoy with, I think, the 16th pick or 14th pick. So a mid-first and a late-first. And the Sharks in that position in that time, in similar kind of draft positions, and also late in the draft, again, granted, more difficult draft positions, I'm not taking that away, uh, weren't able to come up with, with guys like that to kind of keep things going. It's interesting because, you know, that's – obviously that plays a part in it, um, you know, completely, even though there were – you know, some players, you know, that came up during that time period. Timo Meyer is the one who turned into, right. um, you know, a star player who ended up having to be dealt. And, you know, now they're they're restocking and they're trying to put their farm system in a, in a better place. I mean, in terms of timeline, what, what do you think is at play here? Because that was something that specifically um, Mike Greer did not want to, to entertain when we spoke with him around the trade deadline. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure they have a timeline in mind. They just don't want to tell us just in case they can't quite meet it. But, um, you know, Mike uh, clearly wants to accelerate a little bit uh, just in terms of just, for example, a Timo Meyer trade. The emphasis on prospects are a bit uh, older in their curve, like Mukumadulin and Ahotiak, uh, both guys that can possibly contribute to Sharks as soon as next year or two years from now. Um, instead of going for guys who are like 18, 19, more draft picks, which Mike mentioned that there was an offer for Timo that was more draft pick based. 
And that would be more like, okay, we're talking maybe five years from now, uh, six years from now, maybe. But in this case, with uh, getting a, a, a targeting older prospects, uh, maybe just maybe you turn it around in three years instead of five. What do you think in terms of the needs for the organization? Is there something in terms of what they have to build back? Like a certain, is it, you know, the, the D-men we've talked about a lot that have come in as of late, you know, Shakir Makhmadoulin being the most, um, you know, the noteworthy. But, I mean, is there a way that you look at this in terms of there being a blueprint that already exists? Um, well, they, they need to uh, get talent everywhere, which has been the case for the last uh, five years or so. Um, but, you know, obviously in particular, uh, there is no goalie of the future right now. And so they'll have to figure that out at some point. It doesn't have to be this summer. You don't have to, you know, I'm not encouraging them to draft somebody that they don't like uh, uh, this summer or make trades like they have re uh, the last couple of years for Aiden Hill and Kapo Kakinen that haven't quite uh, uh, panned out um, uh, uh, given what they they gave up for both of them, especially for Hill. Um, and so I'm not uh, encouraging them to to kind of to force uh, a goalie of the future, but they had to figure that out, though. What do you think about Capo and and James even up to this point, even though I don't think that Reimer will be back? But how much of it is the play of the goalies versus what we've seen in terms of defensive structure and, and breakdowns and turnovers? I think uh, I think you can kind of, uh, for me at least, I, I kind of uh, divide it into places uh, before the trade deadline or before the trade of Timo Meyer um, and afterwards. It's been a real mess since uh, the trade deadline and maybe a little before that too. But up to the All Star break or so, when you know the Sharks were still entertaining hopes of making a run around that time, right? And they were, you know, they 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 uh, Timo Meyer was still on the team and he was still contributing. Um, I thought the Sharks uh, created an environment for the goaltending that was, uh, you know, average, a little below average, but it a work. It wasn't. It wasn't an awful environment for 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 a goalie to 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 be in, in my opinion. And um, Reimer and Kakinen did not uh, did not perform up up to that up to that level. And um, so yeah, so so after the deadline, I I don't really uh, I don't really look at it as hard, or I don't judge their performances as hard and actually they might have been better since the deadline but uh but before the trade deadline when the team was doing a better job defensively more engaged uh, still playing for something so to speak uh, i don't think either of them really held up their end this year what do you think about capo overall and you know when he was asked about his year after the game last night he kind of talked about you know the improvements that he had made in the last two to three months specifically but he he didn't want to um you know, specify anything, which I, I don't know. Did you find that uh, uh, unusual or maybe he just didn't want to, you know, tell the world what his issues were, which um, I mean, I think, you know, people can, I guess, guess from the film. Well, you know, what's funny is I've actually spoken with him earlier in the season about a couple of months ago, and he was maybe a little more forthcoming. I don't know if he's added even more things to the game or to his game, but back then a couple of months ago, it was uh, more about depth and maybe trying to play a little deeper um, not not as out uh, uh, above the crease. And I spoke with uh, Mike McKenna, a longtime professional goalie. Uh, right now he works for the Daily Faceoff. And uh, Mike watched a couple of Koppel's games uh, before uh, and and after, you know, after some of these changes. And so that was uh, that was Mike's critique. And I brought that to Koppel and Koppel didn't disagree. Um, so I'm not sure if, again, uh, yesterday when he uh, when Koppel was more, uh, I guess, evasive about the questions, uh, if maybe he's added even more stuff to the game that that Mike didn't get to. Yeah, he, he has looked better as of late, though. I will give him that. And I don't know 
how much of that is, you know, the team just being a little bit more harmonious overall with, you know, in light of the absences? Because at first, when when the players were dealt with, it was a Nieto and a, and a Benino and then Timo, obviously, and there's other names we can throw in there, but it's like you can tell that the sudden plugging of holes and rearranging, like there was a quite a negative effect on the team. But, you know, lately, even though there have been a couple bad losses in there, it seems like, things have gotten a little bit more you know, comfortable out there. And maybe that's made Capo's job just a little bit easier once again. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if I quite see that. I think the team is a lot worse defensively and a lot worse offensively, obviously, without Timo. It's just that um, the the goalies have stood under head a few games, just like Capo yesterday. Yeah. Uh, Reimer, I think uh, the last win against Winnipeg, um, uh, he stood on his head. The one that went into overtime, I think, right? So they've... They both had exceptional games in the last couple of months uh, with a few stinkers too along the way. Um, and which is of course uh, likely to happen when, you know, your team is giving up the kind of chances like the sharks have been giving up. Um, so it, I mean, it is possible that they've, they played better or, you know, other factors like just seeing more rubber, get some more engaged, whatever it is, or they, they, yeah. Uh, like I said, uh, just, just playing uh, uh, slightly better. What do you think is going to happen with Eric Carlson? Because obviously, you know, he's, his his value will potentially never be higher. And I, I don't know that, you know, we ever thought that he could justify the contracts up to this point. And for one year, he, he certainly has played up to it. But, you know, I, I have a, a couple of thoughts, Shang. I mean, it's like the way that his handling is, the way he creates space for his opportunities and for his teammates, like that to me can be replicated. The goal scoring, I don't know if he'll ever get to that point again because his, you know, his shot percentage is, is is clearly the career high. But the other things that he's doing, the the chance creation, I mean, that seems to me like something he can replicate. So does, you know, does that make his, you know, the amount that there would be in terms of retainment manageable, or does Mike Greer look at this and say, hey, you know what, this guy is, you know, still good enough to where he can be, um, you know, a building block block of what we're trying to do here. Well, there's no doubt that uh, and Carlson has proved this year that he's still good enough, be it for the Sharks or another team in the in the coming years, as long as he can stay healthy, right? Which is always mm-hmm. kind of the the caveat uh, uh, with uh, with Eric. And so it just becomes a question of, well, you know, who is he going to do this for? You know, is he going to do it for the Sharks because the Sharks can't find a taker for him, uh, or w- w- you know, will the Sharks find some kind of medium ground with the retainment and uh, and uh, and and and. Uh, be able to move move him somewhere. I mean, I do believe that Eric wants to win, which isn't likely to happen in San Jose um, uh, soon. And I do think he likes it here, but uh, I think the best of both worlds is if if just like when he signed, the plan was for him to play well, but also for the Sharks to win too, right? That was everybody's yeah. goal back then. Uh, and so, of course, uh, I think that would be his number one option, uh, but that's not a likely option though. And so then the second, then the the secondary thing after that then is that if he wants to win, if that's a primary goal, then it probably has to be somewhere else, and just a matter of um, of finding the right place. But I do agree with you though, yeah, like his ability to create, even in his down years, the last few years, he was still able to do that. He just has been able to do it with more proficiency and more consistency this year. And so that that doesn't go away with a hockey brain like his. 
And, um, you know, some of his skating is still very good too. Not all of his skating aspects, but some of them are still very strong. And so with that, I think that um, teams can see that too. And so there's going to be uh, attractiveness to him, appeal to him. Uh, um, but again, the contract, how much will the Sharks retain? And also still the risk that you're taking on a player that is, uh, you know, 32 with four more years left uh, is going to also scare off some teams. So just about finding a balance for all that. Yeah, I mean, the thing that I really have been impressed by this year with Carlson is his his stick handling has been more on display, I guess, than we've recently seen. And even though he's not as fast as he used to be, it seems like he is smarter with his skating. He'll, he'll just kind of shake guys off back and forth. And that was something, and maybe it's because of injuries, and it's simply, you know, he gets more comfortable as you get deeper into the year. But that's something that was way more on display this year. Is that a newly acquired skill for him or just something that, you know, he was injured previously, so he didn't have as much chance to see it. Yeah, maybe it's a little bit of health uh, being uh, a little healthier, even to some of it is systemic where he's, in, I think, encouraged to take chances a little more. I think last year with Bob um, um, and hey, you know what? Bob got them, got 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 points out of these guys, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, more points than than uh, than than Quinn has. Um, and it was a more defensive system, though, that catered less to the strengths of Eric Carlson or Brent Burns. And credit to both of Eric and Brent that I think that they tried to play the system that the coach wanted last year, even if it may, might have hurt their numbers a little bit uh, and that sort of thing. Whereas I think uh, with uh, with Quinn, I think Quinn has encouraged Carlson a little bit more. Not that again, not that not again, not to be in extremes here, not that Bob Bugner put the shackles on Eric Carlson or whatever. That wasn't the case. Mm-hmm. But was there maybe a little more caution that 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 Bugner asked of uh, Carlson that maybe Quinn has? And I think I think I think there has been just for example, just this just so you know, I'm not pulling this out of the air. Um, at the at midseason, I I need to look uh, right now, but at midseason, Eric was I think in the top three, top five in a league in stretch pass rate uh, this year. Uh, those stretch passes are very risky passes, obviously. Yeah. Right. Um, and last year, Carlson was like a hundredth. And Burns also was behind, too. And those are things that both of them like to do. But, you know, Bob, I think, was trying to be more conservative last year and try to kind of scratch out more 3-2, two, 2-1 two, kind of wins, which kind of worked for the Sharks early in the season, right, last year when yeah. they were in the hunt. And James Reimer was incredible at the beginning of last season. And so it kind of worked out a little bit for a little while last year. But anyway, that kind of tells you, though, of sort of the – um, a little more freedom that Eric has had to maybe be himself this year. And so maybe you see that in the stick handling too. What do you think has happened with Tomas Hurdle this year in terms of the extended stretches uh, without scoring? Obviously he scored in the first game and then not again, I think till like game 11. And then, you know, to start off the new year, he had quite a stretch, um, you know, in 2023 where he went without scoring. What does he need to do to recapture that consistency? Well, yeah, I'm digging into, into that a little bit more. And I've spoken with uh, Tom Osh and uh, David Quinn about it and other people uh, about it uh, quite a bit. Uh, but definitely, I think that there has been an uptick in his play since roughly the All-Star break. Uh, my uh, first, of course, the first thing that anyone thinks is, oh, he got healthy over the All-Star break. But as far as I know, there there uh, isn't an injury. And, you know, I've asked around and I haven't discovered anything uh, like that. Uh, but, though, um you know, could be some people think that it's kind of just the weight of the contract and that sort of thing. just the way the responsibility of uh, just like he's got to be the man. And I think that uh, like any any really any player, right? Like it's good to know your limitations. 
And Thomas Riddle may be making $8 million or whatever a year, right? A $65 million guy, but he doesn't have to be Connor McDavid. He doesn't have to be this or that. He just has to be Thomas Riddle. And if the team around him is better, then, you know, then, then his play is, uh, you know, will be better too. And so maybe that's something that he, that, that he has to do. Maybe not, you know, I know it's a little cliche, but maybe not care so much mm-hmm. and not put it all on his shoulders if the team isn't winning. Because if the team isn't winning, well, it's really, it's not. I know fans want to blame the big money guys like Couture and Vlasic and Carlson and, uh, and Hurdle. Uh, but it's a lot of it's the, the, the depth around them. Again, that goes back to the drafting and the inability yeah. to fill the holes around them with, you know, with cheap, uh, cheap homegrown. Well, keyword is cheap and young talent, whether it's drafted or, 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 or a plucked from elsewhere. And so the Sharks just haven't been able to replenish the depth around these guys. Um, so, yeah, so I, I, I think uh, one thing that uh, I think, uh Mikey promising I'm gonna dig more into it is that people I talk to don't think it's a physical thing with with hurdle mm-hmm. in terms of just like he's declining because he's about to cross in the 30, which does happen to players. And so um if it's not that, then yeah, maybe he just had a bad year. Um and maybe uh yeah and maybe we can hope for better next year. Yeah. What do you think the future holds for Logan Gachurk? Is in my opinion, he's a guy that probably doesn't get as much credit with his game as he should just because of his two-way ability and out there on the kill. And, you know, he just makes smart hockey. I mean, I know the joke was with Burns about Pavelski, you know, it's hard to lose a step if you never have it. But, you know, Logan's game has never been predicated on his speed. It's been predicated about uh, on his mind. No greater example than the overtime versus Vegas a couple of weeks ago where, you know, he sees the passing lane, steps in, intercepts it, and then wins it in overtime. It's like, that's not you know, something at his you know, quote unquote advanced age, like that's not going to go away because he's not as fast as he used to be. Like he's still the smart player that he's always been. And it seems like he can continue to be a playmaker. That said, you know, father time is undefeated. Yeah. Um, well, you know, Logan is still relatively, uh, uh, you know, he's not into his late thirties yet. And so I think, uh, I, I, I think there's every reason to believe that he can just kind of keep keep this up. He has been, you know, he's kept a certain standard over the years. Mm-hmm. Uh, even again, you know, if people look to his contract and ask, oh, why isn't he leading the Sharks to the playoffs? Well, um, you know, he's not the he's not the reason why, you know, he was offered a big contract. He took it. <laughs> you know, it's, not, it's not a Logan to be like, well, you know, maybe I'm, I'm more of a seven, six million dollar player a couple years from now. I'm, I'm going to take less money. That's not on Logan to figure out. If, right. If, if Doug Wilson puts you know eight million dollars in front of you a year, you take it, you know. And so, um, yeah. So I think I think there is uh, every reason, like you said, uh, because a lot of his game is predicated on smarts. Of course, there is sort of a point though where uh, you need to skate at a certain level, right? We saw that even with the the greatest and smartest of players of our generation, like Yarmir Yager, uh, Joe Thornton, right? At a certain yeah. point, they just couldn't move quite enough. Uh, but of course, for those guys, you know, you, you know, Yarmir lost in his mid forties, uh, uh, Joe into his early forties, and so Logan is far from those points. So, um, so yeah, so I think I think it is a, a viable, reasonable to uh, to uh, to expect uh, Logan to kind of keep going, just kind of as he has. We will have more of that interview available tomorrow morning on Morning Tide, presented by Coors Light, which will be uh, available. Uh, on the Sharks Audio Network at 7 o'clock tomorrow morning. So you'll want to tune in to hear that. And then obviously we're going to do the uh, end of the year media sessions. We will have coverage of all of that 
right here on the Sharks Audio Network, and I am looking for some exclusive interview aspect coming out of that day as well to take us into the offseason. And, of course, all offseason long, we're going to have coverage of all things Sharks right here, uh, whether it's free agency, whether it's the lottery, whether it's the draft, whatever it is, you'll be able to find the coverage right here on the Sharks Audio Network, and we are very much uh, excited for that. But, yeah, now it's time for the final game of the year. And, again, it bums me out that we're at this point, but I know a lot of this has been a tale of looking towards the future. But join us at 5.30 tonight for live pregame coverage. Dan Rusinowski, Drew Remenda, one more time as they get you ready for Edmonton and then a 6 o'clock game broadcast start. I'll see you tomorrow morning on Morning Tide. For the San Jose Sharks, I'm Ted Ramey signing off. This podcast can be found for download under Sharks Hockey Digest on iTunes, Google, and Spotify. And on demand anytime on the Sharks Plus SAP Center app presented by Western Digital. All music by Yogi Yen.